tell you what freedom is to me. No fear. I mean, really, no fear. If I, if I could have that half of my life, no fear. That's the closest way, that's the only way I can describe it. I'm Garrett McQueen. I'm Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, Trill Conversations Challenging the Status Quo of Classical Music. Scott, there is a lot to talk about today. You I need came, you to, I need you to go ahead and put your phone down. You came over a little flustered and opened up your book like, okay. <laughs> it's busy. Where are we gonna start? Okay, no, it's busy just, out here. Where do you want to kick off? Well well before we um before we get into the uh, first movement, I just you know, a couple uh couple announcements from the podium, I guess you could say. I wanna give a shout out to Double Read Dish, the podcast. They gave us a really nice shout out, and I'm a, and and I'm gonna tell you, um, my hat, and I'm I'm gonna subscribe. My hat goes off to them now, bec- uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of people are shouting me out. A lot of people are saying Garrett McQueen's name. That's great. I I am extra appreciative to them because. Um, they frame triloquy around the idea of people having uh, been entrenched in the work that so many folks are doing mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. already. You right. know how some somebody didn't need to die for us to explore race and classical music and identity and and all this sort of thing. So I appreciate um, uh, the folks over there at uh, Double Read Dish giving me a shout out. Uh, be sure to check out their podcast. I also want to give a shout out to Vanessa Rose, you know, friend of the show who uh, received the Golden Baton from the League of American Orchestras um, for her right. work. Congratulations, uh, weekend, Vanessa. That's know? very cool. C- congratulations to Vanessa. I was going to shout out um, Titus for um, his very successful uh, Lift Every Voice video, Titus Underwood. If mm-hmm. you don't know who he is, um, uh, just YouTube Titus Underwood. And, and I think you said you were going to bring him up. Yeah. Uh, today. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be getting back to him. Another pre shout out to uh, Stephanie Matthews, who I interviewed on the uh, topic of uh, a whole bunch of things, you know, black music and, um, you know, professional freedom. As we talk about that word freedom today as a uh, Juneteenth is coming up. And um, last and not least, I want to um, shout out the Star Tribune who's here um, as, as we're taping this. Finally hey. famous. We made it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Okay, let's uh, let's check our accidentals. Okay, I have one of each today. I mean, what 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 are your Ooh. accidentals looking like? Well, uh, let me go first because go uh, if you go first, mine's going to seem like <laughs> sort of low rent. Okay, but um, okay. I, I read an announcement that the uh, the Nashville Symphony has announced that they will resume concerts in the fall of twenty one. Okay, so that's probably a flat for you. <laughs> so, well, I just you know that I don't really in, engage much with Twitter other than right. to see what people are talking about, right? right? Yes. So I stay on the porch. <laughs> yeah, but you're looking. You're I'm, on the porch, right. but you're looking. But I'm looking at it. And a lot of people who I know to be very concerned about the coronavirus and, and spread yeah. and, you know, taking their due diligence to make sure that they don't get sick and pass it on. Even those people are saying, no, wait a minute, that that's a long time. 
and think about and so I started thinking about Titus because he's uh, he plays oboe. He's yeah, principal, yeah, principal oboe, oboe yeah, with down the there. Nashville Symphony. So I'm you know how is he doing? Is he has he got a side hustle that he can fall back on? Well, um, on social media, he seems to be really happy. You know, he uh, uh, is uh, recently, recently semi recently engaged. Yeah. Uh, you know, so he's all happy. You know, hashtag Black Love and all that. Um, but you know, a- as I mentioned um, just a couple of minutes ago, you know, he put together that um, lift every voice video, and and I'm I'm gonna put a link. I'm gonna make a note right now to put a link in the uh, description. But basically, you know, uh, black musicians from across the country, um, all of whom I know, you know, because the black classical music world is small. He he put together this um, sort of montage of them uh, playing an arrangement um, uh, of that piece of music. It, it was actually um, shown at the League of American Orchestras conference for finale over zoom that you know vanessa got that uh, award at oh, um so yeah. um it, it seems like he's busy and um you know uh, titus has been doing uh, similar work um to excuse me the work i've been, uh, been doing here for a while now so he's uh he's keeping busy um but you know blair blair tyndall mozart in the jungle who we had on right. a while ago um on her uh social media at the beginning of this i'm talking about march she said that uh she thinks uh she thinks that more than 50 percent of the orchestras aren't going to survive this at all you know? know so at least they're making yep. plans to come back in 2021 but you know who wants to go crowd a a, a concert hall not me. So there's going to be some musician loss, right? I mean, if they're they're not going to be able to well, hopefully stick around, are they? Well, hopefully, you know, they'll figure out a way to pay them. Or, or maybe just this fall of 2021 means that's when they'll be back in the concert hall. But maybe they'll be a part of education initiatives. So there. what do you what do you think about this um, move to rework the way musicians and artists are paid you know there's like a, a, a it's it's along the go fund is it a venmo oh, initiative are you talking or? about like a patreon there and, there there yeah, yeah. so w- what kind of role is that going to play is that even an option i think for these um and, and one of the things you know again shout out to stephanie matthews i can't wait to get to uh that interview but one of the things she said was that uh the coronavirus put everyone on an equal playing field so mm. the freelancers are out of work and the metropolitan opera is closed as well <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, so know. what we're going to see is who has that spirit of um of of go get you you know that hustler spirit um and i think titus has that so he'll be fine but a lot of these musicians will not be and i want to um give a shout out to the last opus where i threw down the gauntlet to say the next orchestra that programs an all black season wins so let's see of the ones that <laughs> well the survive. nashville blacked out huh <laughs> no, what i'm saying is uh it, it's going to be yeah um, that much more of a challenge yeah and and but you an orchestra will be that much more relevant if they if they decided to that's to go point. ahead and do that that's you the know point. they'll stick right. out more okay well um let, let me throw out my accidentals here so first and foremost, I need to put a natural on something that I said, was saying last time, uh, uh, Louis Chauvin's piece of music is the heliotrope bouquet, not the heliotrope waltz. So if you are having problems finding that, it's because I can't remember <laughs> the titles of things. So it's the heliotrope bouquet. So you're trying to say that even if you have the words Chauvin and heliotrope, you're not going to stumble your way into it? Uh, I don't know. That's let, Let's let's move on. The, the, the brothel was last week, so mm. <laughs> I 
I'm feeling a little better this week. Go on. Um, okay, uh, I want to put a sharp next to um, a bit of national legislation. You know, um, uh, you can't be fired for, um, you know, being queer of any sort. You know, a member of the uh, alphabet committee, as folks like to say. <laughs> were, were you surprised? Were you expecting a negative return on that? Well, I woke up um, to news that um, that Trump had not extended those um, you know, not extended those rights or whatever. But so, so I go and do some work. I had some interviews to do this morning. And by the time I cut the news back on, I cut CNN back on, I saw the, the breaking news that, you know, the uh, Supreme Court had made a decision that is unconstitutional to uh, discriminate in that way. Hell so yeah, it is. Um, now, I'm not giving anybody a hand clap, a pat on the back, because why are, again, as we've been talking about for the past few weeks now, why are all of a sudden folks... Um, expected to, you know, get a get a thumbs up for being nice to people for doing what you should have been for doing, doing the right thing. And I'm not going to stand on that soapbox for too long, but just a little sharp there. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to put down a flat next to um, the city of Atlanta because they're going through it. You know, the the nation was already. Um, you know, in upheaval based on what was happening here in the Twin Cities. And um, another uh, another person was killed by a police officer, rest in power, to Rayshard Brooks, um, shot in the back running away. Did you see the video? I did. I saw a guy that, you know, even at the beginning of the struggle, I saw a guy who was afraid he was going to die. And and, was, mean, and was sleeping in he, his car, right? And why why does... Yeah, he shouldn't have been driving. Does he have to be taken to jail if he's stopped that's the uh, thing because it's illegal to be black it's illegal to be black i'm sorry i my my i have a, i have a lot of those sort of reactions that i have to step back and check you know i'm i'm looking at it and thinking well he was stopped how come they didn't just call an uber for him or throw out an olive branch and give the guy a ride home i mean when how how, how many people need to die how many protests do there need to be before and the important thing to remember is that by the police's own classification a stun gun is not lethal so if he got a hold of that you're not gonna die (laughs) right no not at all and he was trying to run in the opposite direction that i'm how come atlanta didn't well the one the wendy's caught fire Oh, but, how come no, Atl- but is- they, but they, you know, they, they shut down the freeway for a while. No, yeah. Ad- Atlanta spoke up. Oh, don't. And uh, they marched on the Capitol today. So, yeah, don't think they're, they're not out here doing it. So, you know, again, rest in rest in power to Rayshard Brooks. You know, I, I want to come in here one week and not talk about police brutality, not talk about the police, but that's just sort of the era we're in. And um, I'm going to, if I remember, I'm going to touch on this uh, in my triloquy. Like I told you, I have a few things to, in the final movement today to cover, but, but just, just as a sort of preview, action is beginning to happen, you know, um, in the positive, you know, folks are resigning, um, Mm -hmm. different bits of legislation as it applies to um, the police. But it's happening because things are making it onto tape. The populace is seeing it and the populace is reacting. Okay, so where are where where were all of these so-called good policemen when we when we weren't seeing things on tape right. when, when when things were just shuffled to the side you know uh again uh, to say to name Brianna Taylor again they're saying that she didn't even have an incident report no it was and uh, the reason for the for the call was uh, left blank 
Um, so if you look at all of the other suspicious circumstances where people of color have died in custody, and now you have to look at it and question every little bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. Every single one. Just because nobody was there to record it doesn't mean that the that it was clean. You know, the, the and they're making stuff up. So yeah. Huh. Well, um, that's a whole other opus. To yeah, to 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 those families, to to everyone impacted. You know. Our deepest condolences. All I can say, Scott, is I hope I'm not the next one. I hope I'm not driving to work and the police does me because I'm going to tell you this right now. And if you're listening, remember this. If the police shoot me, I did not want peace. I did not want a peaceful protest. So, so that's that. Okay, so. <laughs> and in the movement, too. Um, no, we're still a movement one. We're still a movement one. So <laughs> Thank the, God, because that was going to be a hard gear change. <laughs> so, Okay. The main event for Movement One, I decided to put a natural beside it because I have yet to decide if this is going to be sharp or flat or whatever. So uh, folks who have been listening to Triloquy for a while might remember the name Rob Deemer. He was uh, he was one of our guests. Yeah, Uh, we interviewed him in In February for Sphinx. Yeah. And and, um, his opus came out some weeks later. But he's in a bit of he's in a bit of. He's, he's in some water. <laughs> he's he's in some water <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, so before we cut on the mic, Scott, I uh, share with you a video recorded by a new Renaissance artist named Elizabeth A. Baker, um, in which she talked about being more than just a data point. Um, uh, the, the the idea that black music and black uh, musicians are, are, are being um, sort of tokenized by uh, white led institutions as a means of saying, hey, we're doing the work. Hey, we're we're, we're the good white people in classical music and blah, blah, blah. blah. But, you know, she had a, um, a different sort of, you know, reaction to that. Uh, yeah. what, what was so what was your reaction to, to what I showed you? I, I could uh, I bet that Rob didn't know what hit him. Um, because you, you, we had a great conversation and he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. And, 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 and he, and, uh, you know, what I remember, um, from that conversation most is that his sort of, um, how, how can I say what, 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 what was pushing him to do the work was the fact that it was just the right thing to do. You know, that's the, that's that's the language he used, but, um, sometimes it can, um, you know, things can get away from you and, uh, what, what seems like a good intended thing um, may not always be. Okay, so now in an instance like this, I could see where a white person or somebody who leads a white organization might try to release a statement that will cover all the corners or do the best that they can. Right. Now, she took offense to the fact that she was not named specifically to correct how she was misidentified? She was she was misidentified. The you know her artistry was misidentified, and, and we're gonna I, I'm gonna reach out to her. Maybe we'll um, have uh, Elizabeth on uh, soon. I'm gonna reach okay. out to her, but um, uh, she said that she was misidentified as a composer when when she identifies as a new Renaissance artist, um, and and basically again the fact that she is more than just a data point. She's more than just um, something to fill in into the black woman so-called composer uh, category on, on, on the website. And, Understood. And, and she believes there's more uh, purview that needs to happen. And in the video that I showed you, um, and, and I'll, um, I'll, I'll link, um, I'll link her. So, you know, just to make sure folks are, you know, viewing her content on her terms. But, um, 
Yeah, she, she she said that there were so many other people who um, had similar complaints who just did not want to voice them. Mm. Um, so since so since this you know bit of uh, uh, information, folks have uh, really begun to distance themselves from the um, from the Institute for Composer Diversity, um, including um, some of the people who work there. And I, I wanted to read uh, one statement uh, from one of those people. So this person's name is Christian Michael Folk. I won't read the whole thing, but he says, Hi, all. For those who don't know me, I was the former master database builder for ICD, and as of June 13th, 2020, have severed ties with them due to implementation and ideological differences. I sincerely apologize to anyone who is affected or hurt by my work or by ICD. I'm committed to working directly with artists to increase the meaningful scope of my work through the accurate representation of their art. I've listed some thoughts and reflections about diversity database organizations and initiatives and the work that they do. And then he goes on into certain bullet points. So, so as you see, you know, something has been boiling up. And, and, as, right. we, and as we sort of, you know, we're talking about earlier with the police, um, who who knows what's been going on with you know out, outside of of what we can see and and now that this example is coming up I'm you know I, I'm I'm really sorry to say that I have to personally take a step back and and make sure that um, I'm doing my part 100%. When, when it when it comes to not only you know getting uh, you know getting this music out there um, exposing uh, folks of these artists but the folks that I um, uh, point people toward when it comes to stuff like this. You know, I, I've pointed uh, countless people to the uh, uh, Institute for Composer Diversity, and for me to hear that um, composers and other artists of color are upset by what's going on, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to spend some time with that to really uh, absorb what Miss Baker was saying. Um, boy, what a blind spot. Um, so Rob Deemer did send me the um, official statement. I am going to, it's long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, I will uh, put it on uh, triloquy.org. So if you want to read the statement um, if, and, and don't want to go to their website, read it there. I'll just um, read the first opening couple sentences here. And this is new to me as well. So uh, this is from Rob Deemer. As the founder and director of the Institute of Composer Diversity, I wanted to publicly address some of the issues that have been raised in the last few days. First, I want to apologize again to new Renaissance artist Elizabeth A. Baker for not asking her permission before we featured her work and her image in our recent Spotlight feature. It was wrong for us to do so without her permission, and we are currently changing our policies and procedures so that incidents like that do not happen again. So th th that's just the opening. And, and just for me reading that opening the first time, I, I feel good about her being named um, appropriately and identified um, appropriately, that doesn't erase the issue. That doesn't erase uh, what's going on. It, sh it certainly yeah. doesn't change the makeup of who works at um, ICD because th that's another um, wow. uh, issue I I've been hearing. But yeah, it's it's really important. Um, I, I, I struggled because, you know, in a subsequent uh, post by uh, Elizabeth A. Baker, she talks about how... Um, the folks needing to explain themselves was also becoming frustrating for her, specifically when it comes to program notes. Mm. So I think about jobs like ours, you know, our day <laughs> jobs, our night jobs, you know, program notes kind of help us 
you know, get a paint pay context for yeah. the listener. Yeah. So, so what does that mean? I, I wonder what your opinion on um, on that is. You know, moving forward, understanding situations like these, are you going to move differently when there is a composer um, on your playlist who you don't know? I mean, are there different ways for you to traverse exposing their sound to uh, to, to our audiences? Wow, that's a great question because I was just wondering that very thing. Um, because uh, just just last week, uh, there was a, a, a new a 20th century composer that I hadn't come across. And there's okay. just not much information out there about it. Right. And so what I'll do is I will look for uh, somebody to give program notes that might give me an idea of where they were from. You know, the uh, a village, if they talk about, oh, they were where they were born yeah. or um, schooling. You know, if you can tie it at all to something that's coming up later on in the hour, maybe they right. uh, like a similar school or a similar thought tradition or Just something like that. Just painting some context for but, the listener. Yeah. So now, um, after listening to uh, Miss Baker's comments, that's uh, going to add another layer of prep, isn't it? And then, of course, if we're presenting... Let, let, let's say we were presenting her music on the radio and the information that we're sharing with the audience is information that we got from ICD. Are we not complicit oh, in, in that? Snap. You know, so there are really levels to this. And um, I can't wait to. <laughs> well, maybe maybe we'll put a, a pin in it there. Um, I don't I don't want to find I don't want to get myself in, into the shaky situation of speaking for Elizabeth. Um, so, so we'll, we'll definitely have to, um, have her on Triloquy. As a matter of fact, I'll reach out to her, um, later on tonight. So, um, that does it for my accidentals. I felt like we had a pretty hefty first move. Do you want to go dab your forehead real quick? <laughs> And we are back with Movement to Strike a Chord. First of all, um, I always enjoy uh, during the during our little intermissions getting uh, getting some more of your beer. A full glass. This this Dunkelweizen is um, is, is is beautiful. Oh, it, no, it, glad you like it, it. It adds, yeah, let's clink. It, it adds to the entire Gesamtkunstwerk, uh, as they say in in Jersey. I'm I'm tripping over myself already. The beer is so good. My German is. <laughs> this was uh, uh, I brewed this shortly after I recorded Hop Notes up in Duluth with Hoops Brewing because okay. he he had one on tap and I thought I'm going to try that and I should reach out to him I don't know how he's fared with the, the yeah. virus shutdown and everything yeah. but anyway shout out uh, shout out to your beer if you ever uh, want to visit us here in the Twin Cities you want to visit your Triloquy hosts Scott makes some really good beer mm-hmm. you're welcome call <laughs> ahead text when you're close uh huh <laughs> okay okay <laughs> alright so um, strike a chord so we're coming up on Juneteenth and you know over this past week Scott I was kind of thinking about music that I could connect with Juneteenth but because um so many people are trying to just um, all of a sudden take part in things and mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you know, mm -hmm. be down and, and so-called woke or whatever. You know, I didn't want to uh, performatively come on here talking about any spirituals or whatever. So, um, you know, wade in the water, follow the drinking gourd. Y'all have the same Internet as I do. I'm, 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 see, I'm previewing my triloquy <laughs> here. But, you know, and, 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 it's, it's, and again, it's so important to, you know, recognize what Juneteenth is, you know, a celebration that sort of signifies, you know, black folks being uh, free finally. But what does that mean? 
were we ever free? You know, do you even feel free? You know, as 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 a non descendant of of slaves, we'll 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 get in, into that here in a second. I was about to say here we're into the second movement. You've already blown my mind here. I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right. But the piece of music that actually did kind of strike a chord with me this week. So um, either last Thursday or Friday um, in my five o'clock hour, I put I put in Jupiter from the planets because I had you know sort of a, a sort of theme going, mm-hmm. and um, I, I tweeted. Um, I hope uh, host isn't problematic because Jupiter, listening to Jupiter gives me hope. <laughs> and, and some music really does. I, I kind of wasn't being sarcastic, but it turned into this long tr- Twitter thread as Twitter does. <laughs> so, you know, when I look at my phone and I see 57 Twitter notifications, I'm like, oh, shit, what did I do now? Um, but it was actually all pretty positive and folks talking about their favorite uh, pieces of music by a host. And uh, somebody brought up. A, a host B-side, I'll call it, that I don't think about all that often. It's his Japanese suite. Have I you heard of play, that? I used to play that, yeah. What you mean? Uh, like on the, like on the overnights? Program, on the overnights, yeah. And, well, yeah, when I was back in the day. It, it, it starts with this um, really phenomenal bassoon solo that, you know, I had even forgotten about. You know, shout out to being a, a radio host because, you know, you have to, you know, you research so much music and just learn so much about so many things. So yeah. as, as soon as someone brought up that Japanese suite, I felt it in my bones. The the phrase cultural appropriation just around the corner. But, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you know, um, the, the fact of the matter is, Hulse wrote that in collaboration with someone Japanese, a dancer named Michio Ito. And um, I'll tell you, Scott, I searched far and wide on the internet just trying to make Michio Ito gay to go with the Pride Month <laughs> theme. I, I, I didn't see any evidence, so I can't make that connection, even though he was a dancer. Um, I'll leave it at that. But uh, uh, Michio asked uh, Hulse, you know, to write him a piece of music to dance to in the Japanese style. So, um you know, going back to movement one for a second, talking about Rob Deemer and, you know, how people can feel tokenized. I feel like that host Japanese suite is a really great example of, um, you know, how how it can be done right. Mm. How how mm-hmm. how one person uh, that belongs to a culture that they're not showcasing can still showcase that culture in, in an yeah. equitable way. Yeah. Now, what was the key? The key was he had a point of reference. He had someone from Japan who was uh, asking him to write this, who I'm sure was in collaboration with him when it came to certain sounds. Because, you know, if you listen through that suite, you'll hear some sort of stereotypically, you know, um, I'll use the word oriental as those composers, many of those composers would have, you know, those Eastern sort of mm. pentatonic sounds, but I've switched over to ornamental ornamental. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but, and that can count for many cultures, you know? Um, but, but yeah, so, uh, 
Take a look, uh, and there are lots of really great recordings on YouTube. Just search Gustav Holst Japanese Suite. The whole thing is about 10 and a half, 11 minutes long. It's not that long. Again, as I mentioned, uh, that beautiful opening bassoon solo and lots of uh, Asian sounds written by an Englishman um, under the supervision of a Japanese person. Convincingly. Yeah, very convincingly. Um, yokata, as they would say in uh, Japan. Yokata hosan. I want to... Yeah, cool. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> you you said that you're better with Japanese than you are with like Spanish and things like that, right? <laughs> oh, you agree? Okay. I know about as much as it takes to get through a karate class. But, but so, you've been to Japan, what, though, right? haven't you? I have been to Okinawa. Yeah. yeah. But it is so run over with American culture that you wouldn't know that, we, uh, apart from the humidity. And the, yeah, you and, don't need to speak and, Japanese in uh, Japan. And the snakes that will kill you three steps after they've bitten you. That's the only difference. And that's enough for me. Three steps, huh? Uh, back to the lecture <laughs> at hand. Um, I want to shout out Laura Downs, who did... Uh, who's in my inbox? right now i'm gonna read your email in a minute laura i'm sorry okay but she did a, like a whole survey of uh florence price uh piano pieces it's yeah. really nice so listen to that but i have to i have to go back to the last opus you guys alicia waller come yeah, shout on. out to alicia My, she was singing right to me <laughs> and i was fanning myself um but i love the way she brings that sort of um you'll know the right terminology in opera that operatic oh maybe that like coloratura there that yeah. that sort of sensibility to something more in a in a jazz R and B sort of vibe, yeah, you know that was that just had me, and still incorporates lots of classical elements, you yeah. know, yeah, yeah. So check out um, Alicia Waller. And last shout out is uh, if you if you want something that's a little bit more contemporary, check out the Rachels R A C H E L apostrophe S. They have uh, really nice um, sort of pop flavored string compositions with uh, a little bit of percussion in the back real appropriate sort of you know again like i not, said this, not too much drums this would not be out of place on our, like our window piece you know the yeah. little, the short piece that we play at the top of the hour so. yeah yeah all right well those, those, that's what struck a chord with us this week um so um we're moving into movement three as i mentioned before uh today's guest is stephanie matthews and the reason why I chose Stephanie for um, this opus is because I've always viewed her career as um, as close as classical musicians can get oftentimes to freedom. So um, uh, Stephanie uh, does the booking um, and the contracting for so many of these phenomenal uh, performances that you see on TV. Maybe if you remember uh, the opening uh, performance of the last Grammys with Lizzo, she was backed yeah, up yeah. by an all black woman orchestra. You know, yeah, yeah. Stephanie was not only in that um, orchestra, but contracted it. She's been on the BET awards i mean she's worked with travis scott um she, she's worked with um uh, countless people she'll talk about um an artist named pj morton um in the uh in the conversation i have with her but um you know it all started scott when she went to an Erica Badu concert and couldn't get in, you know, they had, uh, she, she, she says that uh, she and her homegirl spent their last $10 to put it in the tank just to drive to the concert in hopes of getting <laughs> to see and meet Erica Badu. Well, won't you know that they did? And that is where 
you know, it all started for her. Uh, Stephanie and I talked uh, for for almost two hours. I kind of uh, chopped up our, our our interview, our talk um, a little bit uh, to, for her to kind of go into her ideas of black music. You know, still mm-hmm. being in black music a uh, month, but also you know that idea of freedom, professional freedom, and what that means and what that looks like. So um, I hope you um, enjoyed uh, this conversation between myself um, and Stephanie Matthews. Uh, she gives all of her information at the end of our uh, chat. Uh, she has this uh, company called String Candy, which you, you should definitely check out. Uh, where we're going to jump in um, is where uh, Stephanie, you know, begins to talk about her first interactions with uh, Erica Badu and uh, where it all started. So uh, we'll uh, uh, hear that after a short excerpt from uh, Nina Simone. So we began this whole opus with her definition of freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about freedom and when I think about Nina Simone, I think about the song that um, she famously sang about that slave who finally has this freedom, but doesn't feel like there's anything else. You know, the song um, Ain't Got No, I Got Life, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. such, such a moving song. So how about um, we uh, listen to just a little bit of that um, and then we'll get into my conversation with Stephanie Matthews. When you you had asked me about um, <laughs> my initial, I guess, plunge into more mainstream territory was post Sphinx competition. I was in Detroit um, with my friend Shelby Latin, now Shelby Harris. Um, her mom drove us up to Detroit. We were both at IU at the time. And... Um, the gala had finished. We were getting ready to head back on the road and we were driving past Fox theater in Detroit. And we saw that Erica Badu was headlining and Floetry was also on the, on the ticket. And we begged her mom to allow <laughs> us to go. And, she, you know, so I guess she figured she'd pull over, take a quick nap in the car, let us, you know, do our thing and then keep it moving. And we had the brilliant idea <laughs> you know the story, but, you know, for the sake of the listener. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we had the brilliant idea since we were dressed in our formal black. Like, oh, let's see if we can sneak backstage. We had our <laughs> I would instruments. Have, I would have never gone there, but y'all went directly to that thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what. I don't know why. I mean, I really couldn't tell you why. Because I don't think I've, yeah, I don't think I've snuck into a concert since then <laughs> like at all i mean obviously like as a musician i know other musicians so it's you know right it's right not, you don't have to sneak in but yeah apparently we thought that was a good idea at the time <laughs> and um we were able to see the schedule which showed that they were going to be in indianapolis the very next night mm-hmm. so we ended up you know we had we ended up buying tickets anyway they kicked us out from backstage clearly they were like uh definitely not and um, so we did watch the show from the audience. Uh, and then the the next show, I think it might have been like two days later at the Murat Theater. Um, we made up in our mind we were going to go. I, I don't remember. 
I think I I think we had planned to leave like right after orchestra. Orchestra was like the last class of the day. Mm -hmm. So um, I made a few copies of my audition my audition CD for grad school because that's all I had. I was like, we got to have samples of work. So I I brought six of them. Um, And so I basically gave three to Shelby and was like, just give them these. They won't know. (laughs) Right. They won't know the the difference. So, um, yeah, so she had three. I had three. We were ready to lock and load. Drove up on my last $10. I mean, Garrett, my last ten dollars. Do you understand what I say? Wow, wow. The ten dollars went in my tank, and that was and that barely was enough to get <laughs> us to Indianapolis and back to Bloomington round trip. So when I get there and see that parking was like who knows five ten dollars, I don't remember how much it was. I couldn't afford it. Neither of us could afford it. So I parked way at the back kind of like where the tour buses were locked my wheel hard to the right. Cause I was like, if they tell me, then they'll have to wait till all the cars are gone. <laughs> so sure, my car doesn't sure. get the next car. And I was just like praying, like, please do not let me get towed. Cause I won't have money to get it out. Um, but anyways, because we were back by the, t- the tour buses, we saw Erica and, and Floatree's bus along with their band. So like, we were just kind of sitting out on the curb. We had no money to pay for tickets. We were just hoping we would get a chance to meet them. She walks out. Erica at the time was pregnant with Puma. She's like, what are you guys doing sitting outside? The show's inside. Wow. We're like, well, we're college kids. We can't afford it. We love you. But we can't, you know, we'd love to see the show, but we just, we don't have money. We were just hoping we'd get a chance to meet you. She got her tour manager to give us VIP t- wristbands. Whoa. So we're like in the front, in the VIP section. And then like right before the end of the show, we rushed back, you know, towards the buses because I was like, I want to keep an eye on my car and (laughs) make sure I don't get towed. And also hopefully, you know, get a chance to say thank you. Um, And that's when we bumped into PJ Morton. And by this time, I had already given um, some samples, like the recordings to I gave um, one to Natalie, the girl from Floetry. I met Marsha in Detroit. I distinctly remember meeting Marsha in Detroit, but I, I met Natalie when we were in uh, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And then the rest I gave to Erica. And she was like, yeah, you know, well, you know, we don't have, you know, we I'd love to have strings in my band, but she was like, you know, we kind of already have our band set up, but mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to take a listen to your, you know, to your stuff. Um, then PJ, who was playing auxiliary keys, and I think he was singing background vocals at the time with Erica, was like, weren't y'all the girls <laughs> that were in Detroit? And he was like, Are <laughs> y'all roadies or something? I'm like, no, we're not roadies, but you know, I was like. Where are you? So we saw you were going to be in Indianapolis. We wanted to catch the show. Um, so we, you know, we're talking, making small talk, talked about how, you know, we were both violinists. He was like, oh, well, do you write? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, Did I, was you though? With, I, I was very good with counterpoint. I mean, <laughs> I, I know that I had a strong ear. Yeah. yeah. So and, and you know, we had we had all kinds of like composition projects that I did very well, like did very well with okay. in school. And so that was my initial reaction. Like, oh yeah, right. Not thinking like, do you arrange strings? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I didn't yeah. even know string arranging was a thing 
at that point. Music school educated me did not know that music arranging was a thing. Okay. Cause yeah. it wasn't something that was talked about in that way. I mean, being a composer is one thing, right? But like, an arranger. Yeah. It was, it's a very unique thing. I did, I did, I hadn't, I didn't even know that it was something that people professionally do. So when he said, right, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've done composition projects. <laughs> and he's like, well, I, you know, I'm working on my debut album. I really want strings. I didn't have any more CDs to hand out. So he gave me um, a PO box that he, I could send my, my stuff to. And he was like, I love, I love your stuff. Let's do it. And, and so he flew me, Shel my friend Shelby and Shelby's sister Coley, who played cello, flew us down to Atlanta. And that's when we recorded the Emotions album. And that kind of, that shot, PJ, I think I could, I could single him out in saying that he definitely gave me like my first opportunity in like getting my foot in the door when it came to like navigating the more mainstream space. Because after his emotion, the, the work that we did on the emotions album got the attention of then up and coming music director, Adam Blackstone. And Adam had just gotten the placement with Kanye West for then his upcoming glow in the dark tour. And he mm. was looking for someone to go on the road as lead strings. Now, mind you, I'm in East Harlem, like in my raggedy little apartment <laughs> teaching kids, you know, for like $15 an hour. And I get a call and he's like, yeah, yeah, I met you in, um, I think it, it might've been Nashville. I had done a couple of spot dates with PJ at that point. And he was like, yeah, I loved what you did on, what you did on the emotions record. And I want to get, you know, I want to have someone come out who can write, you know, quickly and someone who could be lead strings because we're gonna, you know, we'll probably have a string section. So I'm just like, okay. He says Kanye West. I'm like, the name sounds familiar, but <laughs> I didn't even know who Kanye West was. That's like incredible. That. Wow. <laughs> my, and so when I told my sister, I was like, yeah, it's like an artist. I think he says like Kanye something. She said, Kanye West. She said, girl, you better go. Literally. And so I had to look him up because I didn't really listen to. I, I mean, the hip hop that I knew and that I listened to was like Nas. I knew I knew a little bit of common. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think if there is like maybe like KRS one, like sure. just the, like the, little the classic, the, the yeah. classics, yeah. But I wasn't like a hip hop head, you know what I mean? So yeah. I I just really didn't know. And I remember that was kind of around the time Kanye was doing these college tours, and he had done a show at my sister's school. And she was like, you should go, you need to go, you need to go. So I looked him up and I'm like, man, this could be cool, but really they would want like a classical violin, <laughs> classical violinist to go on the road with them. Um, and so, you know, he was like, I'll have the tour manager reach out to you. At this point, I was just like, it just, it seemed like such a far-fetched notion. And when I got the call and they gave me the dates, which they were gonna fly me out 48 hours later to LA for production rehearsals, 
I had to call all my schools and all my principals and let them know that I was going to be gone for the rest of the school year. That must have been tough. Or maybe it, it wasn't. Was just, it was strange because half of them didn't believe me. They just thought I wanted to quit. Sure. You know what I mean? So it, it, was, it, was, a, it was definitely, um, I was in shock. No doubt about it. I was definitely in shock. But um, that, that was the pivot point. For sure. Started with PJ and then um, kind of like developing that relationship with Adam Blackstone has definitely like set me on, I think, the current career path that I'm on now. And, you know, that the the way that your career has just evolved has has always reminded me of the path to freedom. You you know, I've described your career as freedom. You know, you're, you're not punching uh, into anyone's clock. You didn't have to worry about furlough or unemployment in light of the coronavirus. You know, there, there were just certain freedoms that that you had and, and as Certain we freedoms yes yeah and, yeah and, and and that's what i wanted to ask you know as as we as we're coming up here on uh, uh juneteenth you know and, yeah. and we're thinking about that word freedom is is that a word that you would use to describe yourself or your career do you feel free um in some ways yes but in some ways no ultimately no but do i feel a sense of freedom in my career yes and i would say yes because um you know i I think i had hit a level of frustration within the traditional classical schematic Mm -hmm. and you know it started you know while i was a student in school and just um the reception that that I had from certain teachers, not all of my teachers, but I mean, I had some pretty incredible teachers, thank God. But um, I also had some pretty awful teachers. Sure. And so when this and I think maybe that's why, you know, for me, it was like a breath of fresh air having the opportunity to work with PJ. You know, it was like something so different from what I had been doing, you know, such a break from the routine. And I was just like, whoa, (laughs) what is this? And um, so then when I, when I did get in touch with Adam, like I finally connected with Adam Blackstone and going on that Kanye tour, I didn't even know what tours paid, no clue, none. And so, after that experience, I just, I was just like, it, I mean, literally, I was like, I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> literally, I'm doing it wrong. You cashed that first check and something made sense. I mean, the direct <laughs> deposit hit and I'm like, what? Are you serious right now? Yeah. I mean, it like I was traveling on someone else's dime. Like, I honestly, like I hadn't seen the world like that before. And ever. you were doing all that with your violin. All of that with my violin and, you know, and even with that, like, I, you know, coming back, like at the end of tour, like I was able to like get us a website, get a web designer, do a whole full on photo. Sh- you know what I mean? So it was like, this is allowing me to like fund projects that I'm really passionate about. And I mean, so I think that started 
as I got more and more opportunities to tour and to um, collaborate with various artists and build relationships with various labels and music directors, um, I think it, it definitely changed the, the course of my career because it changed my perspective for me. Because I mean, I love music, Garrett. I love classical music. There's no two ways about that. But I also really value the ability to pay my bills. <laughs> I <Hey> man. <laughs> appreciate, you know, being in a space where I am valued. Like my artistic input is valued. My voice is valued. Um, the way that I play is valued. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, and that was new. I didn't feel that in the classical space in the same way. I just didn't. Um, so, so, and, so, so wrapping that concept around yeah. to the idea of, you know, the work, uh, especially these days, you know, we have all of these organizations and their new DEI initiatives and all these awakenings they've, they've been coming to. Um, what, what do you see um, as the most authentic and organic way for more musicians that look like us to, you know, get this new perspective that you've had? You know, it, it's like someone grabbed your hand and, and pulled you into this new world. How, how can we make yeah. that more of a ubiquitous experience for, for, for black musicians who happen to play, you know, these classical instruments? Um, the decision makers have to be more diverse. I mean, simply put, mm. show me your boardroom, show me your board of directors, um, show me the people who are making the decisions on behalf of your organization, because if they're all white, um, we're probably <laughs> not going to, you know, things are not going to change right. in the way, in the time frame that they really should and need to change. Um, it's really that simple. I, I, I don't... We, I think human beings are kind of change averse in general, um, some more than others, but that has to change. It, 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 we, we've been talking about it and screaming from the rafters, like, please change, please change. And then COVID-19 hits and shuts everyone down, right. which has leveled the workspace in a way that is unprecedented. It and has when, not, we've not seen it like this before. And what do you mean by that level the workspace? What I mean is freelancers are out of work and the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra is out of work. Mm, so who's what, better yeah. than who? Yeah, there we go. And you get here what we I'm are. Saying? Yeah. And here yeah. we are. So who's more dynamic? Who's who's more marketable? Who's who's who, who more can, versatile? Who's more who's prepared? More marketable? Yeah. Who who's better equipped to remote record and work from home? Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. If you know, if your day to day exists like in going to a dedicated rehearsal space and going to a dedicated concert space and having a schedule carved out for you, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying this is where we are. So I think people have really had to assess differently. Think different things are valued. When we look at like essential workers, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. What what was all important prior to isn't so important anymore. Right, People right. aren't looking at social media influencers. No one wants to hear from you right now. <laughs> I you didn't want to saying? before, but yeah. <laughs> Correct. So it's just, it's shifted. 
in a way that we have not seen before. And um, yeah, I think that, you know, coming back to, to your initial question, I think that the decision makers have to be more diverse because there have to be different voices and different perspectives in those rooms. Yeah. yeah. It has to be. I mean, to think that you are just <laughs> so, you know, so even for me to think that I'm just so progressive to be able to like step outside of myself and see things from someone else's lived experience is impossible. I can't, right? I live and breathe and exist as Stephanie Matthews, as a black woman, all of my personal and professional identifiers. But that's, I think, what would make um, the orchestra is more dynamic. I think it would make programming more dynamic because honestly, people are tired. People are tired of the same stale programming. People are tired of the same stale looking billboards. I mean, frankly speaking, I'm tired and I love it. I love classical music, you know? And you know, this notion that, oh, well, people are just like not, people are just not paying what they used to. Your concert halls are empty because your programming sucks. Right, exactly. People are not in your concert hall because, you know, your orchestra is not relevant to the, I, in most times to the communities that they exist within. Yeah, and, and I think that's an even more accurate way because, you know, m- music is, is is a subjective sort of thing, but, you know, that relevance, that that that, that real impact is, is what so many of these organizations Cultural are missing. relevance. Yes. And you know what? We would not be having all of these, you know, extensive and boring, frankly, DEI conversations and diversity and inclusion initiatives if their bottom line wasn't being affected. If if they were still bringing in the money that, you know, that they were enjoying, this wouldn't be a conversation because there would be no need for them to change anything right. that they've been doing. Right. Wow. Well, um, you know, as, as we wrap up here, you know, um, you know, someone listening right now um, has a little black girl that they want to get involved in violin maybe there's a a teacher out there that's that's teaching these these uh young kids from the more marginalized communities and 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 trying to you know get get expose them you know to this art form so-called classical or otherwise what are your Mm -hmm. words for them What, what advice do you have for folks helping these very young musicians start their journey i think it's important to be very, very careful about languaging when it comes to dealing with young people because they are the future, right? They represent where we're headed. And if we can empower them and support and uplift and encourage them, I mean, hopefully we will be in a much better, much stronger position than we are today, you know? Talent knows no demographic. I mean, success is not limited by, you know, the socioeconomic constructs that we think of. Mm-hmm. Opportunity is key, right? And if we can if we can empower a young mind to really truly believe that they can do whatever they set their mind to with the diligence and you know, the passion and instilling the work ethic. I I mean, 
we would just have a, a much richer tapestry. And I think we'd be much prouder of ourselves as a country. And maybe they wouldn't have to, you know, struggle the way that you and I had to in school on our last $10, as you said earlier. Yeah. And to be honest, I don't think I don't necessarily think that struggle is bad. It's like, what is the struggle? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so and what's learned from it? Yes. Like, because you you absolutely you're not going to learn from your comfort zone. OK, so I think it is important for for us to be stretched in a way that allows us to grow, allows us to develop, allows us to learn. But, you know, to continue to <laughs> banish, you know, certain groups of people to obscurity is just it, it's irresponsible. I mean, and we can't I mean, I don't think we, we can't stand for it any longer. Um, we all have something to contribute and it's, you know, I think of this, like the Crayola box, right? Mm -hmm. No one's going to the store to buy, you know, the, the, the four, the four pack that you get for free at the restaurants, right? right? right. You want the big, you want the big jumbo box. Why? Because you have more colors at your disposal to create something really beautiful and dynamic. It's like a toolkit. Right. The more tools in the toolkit, the more the better able you are to build, the better able you are to to construct something. So um, I think with that in mind, I'm just I, I would love to to instill into that little girl or that little boy that dreams do come true. Um, I think it is really, really important to. identify people who really support you and love you and want to push you to be better. Um, because there's just, there's a world of opportunity, a and world of opportunity. And we need you. We need the next generation to step up. And back to that point of, you know, not being able to learn and grow in your comfort zone. You know, that that certainly applies to music. Many of my lessons were not comfortable, you know, <laughs> but but I grew oh, from the. 100%. <laughs> but 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 then also, you know, in, in the conversations of racial equity that we're having right now, you know, white people stepping outside of that comfort zone, men stepping outside of their comfort zone when it comes to the intersection of race and, and sex, you know, and, yeah. and the uh, unique challenges of, of black women. I, I think that's a, a really. Um, good point uh, to end on there, stepping outside of that comfort zone so you can learn and grow. Um, for, for folks who want to um, learn more about you, about the work you do, maybe even book you, how can they uh, how can they get in contact? Well, my you can reach me on my website um, at www.stringcandy.com. Um, I'm also on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Steph on strings, which is uh, S T E P H O N S T R I N G S. Um, I'm also on there as String Candy, uh, String Candy Music, which is at just String Candy Music on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook, Stephanie Matthews, or String Candy on Facebook. Um, I really do love engaging with with audience, 
with artists, with students. So please feel free to drop a line, a message. Um, and if you want to contact me directly, you can contact me uh, for booking directly through the website. You know, I think I'm going to, um, I think when we get off the line here, I'm going to uh, sit in front of my TV and watch your performance with Mary J. Blige so I can, so I can sing I'm going down as I watch you play the violin. Oh, <laughs> Stephanie, it's really been such a pleasure. Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me, Garrett. I really, really appreciate talking to you anytime. So again, thank you to uh, Stephanie for uh, being on. Uh, I think I'm going to actually, Scott, what I'm going to do is um, get the our full conversation and I'm going to uh, release that as a bonus. So um, oh, cool. if, if you're uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, just look for a bonus episode. You can also go over to uh, Triloquy.org and catch our entire conversation. She has some really uh, phenomenal things to say about education, you know, the, the protests we're seeing. So mm. uh, yeah, definitely check that out but speaking is, of uh speaking of erica badu as we started into that segment yeah. um do you remember that shirt i saw when i was walking radar around the lake erica badu erica badu plus cardi b equals balance okay <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that i mean that's the the very the very um wise the very you know uh you know erica badu being being this oh. queen and then you got cardi b being one of the new princesses you mm -hmm. know and you're sitting here patting your heart I, i'm I, you're a good looking guy, Scott, but I don't know if Erica Badu is going to give you the time of day. I'm just sorry. Did the, I the melanin ever ain't announce right. any, Oh, like, like if all of a sudden it came out that she was single, I'd be like, mm, all right, here's, here's my chance. No, but she is a, a phenomenal lovely, artist. A phenomenal yeah. artist who, like, very much like Alicia, sings to you. Yeah. You know, she, she makes you feel like you're swaddled in gossamer loveliness yes amen amen <laughs> okay so um movement for the that down. movement for the triloquy um mm -hmm. I, I have a few things so maybe you should just go ahead i'll go ahead and punt <laughs> um because uh you you know the name zachary wolf i don't okay zachary wolf is evidently he writes for the New York Times. Uh, he used to be uh, like their opera correspondent, his man, the man on the scene at the operas. But um, uh, kind of like Rob Deemer, he's in some water, but his is much hotter because he posted a story called The Sheku Effect, A Classical Music Star Rises, with the byline, Sheku Kenamason, a 21-year-old cellist from England, could be what classical music has long lacked, a black headliner. And I went... Oh, you know he's getting dragged. I went, bruh. <laughs> oh, they dragged you, him. Okay, and so just sitting down, uh, just for fun, I started to roll him off, right? Awadaj and Pratt, James DePriest, Bobby McFerrin and his father, Robert... He's in New York. He's not going to say Jesse Norman, Leontine Price, Kathy Battle, the whole Marsalis family. My all of them. Yes. I was howling at the inept. And there was one point in the article. If you read the article, there's one point where they, they start to hit on something. If you put more orchestral instruments in the hands of people of color, you will have more people of color playing 
classical music. And he totally took a left turn away from that. I mean, I that's just know. not true. Just for the record, we, we know that is not true because certain systems have been put in place to keep us off of that stage. Right. No, th- all I'm saying is that it just glossed over any of his challenges. Mm-hmm. Any, you know, it was this this sort of fairy tale rise sort of thing. Just go go read the the comments underneath his post. So I what? Mean, are, so what are your words to him? Get him get him together, Scott. Dude, a five second Google search would have saved you from the byline tragedy alone i i i'm at, I'm at a cultural loss. competency I'm at, I'm at a loss cultural competency okay so speaking of cultural competency let me get to one of my triloquies for the day so i'm going to let, let me uh, let me start by saying this the only reason I am not naming this person is because they do very important work on the on the front of gender equity mm. In classical music, I very much believe in that. You know, that's how I get down. As much as I fight for the um, black composers, composers of color, I fight for the women composers. So I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, throw a rock at her because I really do believe in her work. Now, with that being said, this person who I'm going to call, give me a woman's name. Karen. I, no, I'm not, I, no, y'all not going to get me. <laughs> I, I'm a caller. I'm a caller. <laughs> Because <laughs> you don't, because you don't have a problem with me trashing a b- right? Let's <laughs> uh, go ahead. Okay, I might be triggered. Went in my inbox the other day, um, actually about a, a week ago, um, asking you know for resources about uh, more black woman composers. Now, as as I kind of said before, everybody been in my inbox. It's a, you know, and and I'm appreciative. I, I always help where I can, but I can't always get back as quickly as I would like. So anyway, I got back to this person who I'm calling, and based on her question, um, I felt like the best. Um, how can I say the best resource for her was ICD? Okay, so. So, so, but that—that's not actually the issue. But anyway, (laughs) okay. So I point her to ICD. Um, A few minutes later, uh, and this is—and this is the problem with Facebook, all the drama. A few minutes later, she posts on her Facebook talking about how men are um, are are so patronizing, how they don't listen to women. As a matter of fact, today I had a man in my inbox. Uh, pointing me to the Institute for Composer Diversity as if this is a place that I wouldn't have known. Men suck or blah, blah, blah you know, and, oh, I, know. And, and, just... and I don't and I and I'm not upset with the man dragging because more times than not, I agree. But don't come to me for help and then try to publicly unnamingly shame me when I give you what I see as the best resource, you know, and and, and just didn't to, she say that she already had that. She did say that, but I'm not patronizing a person for pointing them to what I see as our best resource when it comes to that sort of thing. Now, I want to broaden that specific um, uh, that specific incident out a little bit. Mm. There have been a lot of people in my inbox, um, you know, wanting to engage certain conversations uh, surrounding race um, and classical music, not really understanding what they want from me. You know, uh, th- there's been so they're many, asking you to do the work. They're asking me to do the work. There have been so many um, uh, uh, sort of think pieces out uh, by this time about how tired black people are of answering that same question from everyone. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Not well. Okay, so if you're listening to this. 
I'm not doing well. There's a lot going on. Okay, I really appreciate your reaching out. I don't want this to to sound like I'm I'm railing uh, against you know everyone that reaches out to me, but this is a stressful time, and and it's up to all of us to really think as far as we can when it comes to the way we're asking for each other's help. Okay, because we all have the same. Um, uh, internet. We, we all have the same access to literature that's uh, being written. So make sure that you are, and, 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 and uh, you know, by the way, literature and research done by black people. So make sure that you're supporting them. Don't just take the comfortable, easy route and asking your black friend about X, Y, and Z when the information is there. Okay. Item two, that essay that I wrote. Okay. <laughs> so if you'll go to um, yourclassical.org, you'll probably see uh, uh, still the essay that says the power and complicity of classical music. I've, I've been pumping it too. They are shook, Scott. They are shook. Say more. People, um, again, in my inbox, trying to make every excuse excuse me, for Handel and Delius, because I named them uh, in that essay. All I have to say about that is what what makes a person so upset about learning that one of these composers who you never knew personally had ties to systemic racism, namely the transatlantic um, slave trade. Mm -hmm. I don't understand this protectionism that people feel obliged to wrap around these composers. I imagine a lot of some of the same sort of people who want to say, but but R. Kelly has some jams, though, you know. Um, So do you... Still listen to Step in the Name of Love? Or? No, no, I don't. Okay, no. so I'm, I'm going to guess that the Florida Suite is not coming up in your rotation. No, it's not. I, I take it out every time it does. <laughs> okay. And anything and, by handle. And, and it, and it kind of drives me to a point that I feel like I always make. And all of classical, there is too much music out there for us to be worrying about these two people. There will always be something truth. else to fill in the gap. But my question about reading it, because listen, y'all, um, this is like a two on the Garrett scale of one to ten. Right, I wasn't this even really, cussing. No, this wasn't even <laughs> this wasn't even a hot take, right? But go check it out, and and you'll get like um, you know the picture book <laughs> entry into Garrett. I I want I want to know if anybody they they were upset about you calling out Delius and Hendel. What about the fact that you named George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor? Did anybody come, yeah. at it from, come at it from the aspect of we don't want to hear this along with we don't want race mixed in with our with our plenty music. of that as well. But that's not new, you know, because my 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 doing this work is not new and neither is that sort of uh, feedback as far as, you know, the escapism that people want from classical music. Yeah. The last thing I will say, and this is it for real, because we're because <laughs> I think we're running a little long. I I brought it up uh, in the first movement. I'm going to bring it up here again. The idea for that people are not trusting the police is valid because for the first well, not for the first time, but in mass these days, we're seeing these uh, police killings on tape Mm -hmm. and the reaction to it being seen is where the so-called positive reaction from law enforcement and uh, from government is coming from. So will we be seeing any movement if it weren't for those tapes? Let's go back to George Floyd. If, if that, And, you know, they're talking about giving the uh, young woman who took that uh, tape uh, an, an Oscar. You know, really? think, think about a piece of film that changed the world, that 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 sparked a movement, you know. Uh, but anyway, th- think about if that um, tape did not exist. With, the, with these so-called good police officers come out 
to the front and say, hey, no, no there, there, there is this police officer that I need to call, you know, so, nah. um, so I um, am really looking for, and, and shout out to the Minnesota Orchestra while I'm thinking about it for cutting their ties with the Minneapolis Police Department. Maybe you, um, maybe yeah, you read about that. that. Yeah, um, a it, lot of people are now uh, saying, well, you know, who are you going to call when you have trouble in downtown, in downtown Minneapolis? Well, my trouble has always been with them, so. So that's that. That's the perspective that they need to hear, though. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that 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 does it for me. Does that uh, do it for you? I I have to go. I have to go lay down. Okay. Well. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'll, I will. I will leave. You know, I've really enjoyed the way that we're just abruptly ending these lately. So um, I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll close out this opus with a uh, with a quote from from a famous poet, uh, poetry um, set to music from the early '90s. Fuck the police. Mm. Fuck the police.